Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger. If you are stuck in the mindset that healthy food is bland and boring, this episode will surely shake you out of it. Chef Adrienne Calvo, known for her signature maximum flavor style, is here to share her secrets for getting big, bold flavor in a healthy way. Chef Adrienne is an award-winning Miami-based restaurateur, cookbook author, Emmy-nominated YouTube show host, and podcaster. With the publication of her first book, Maximum Flavor, she became the youngest cookbook author ever at the time. In her YouTube travel show, Searching for Maximum Flavor, Adrienne travels the world in search of exciting new ingredients and shows viewers how to incorporate them into dishes at home. Listen. Chef Adrienne Calvo, it is so good to have you here. You blow me away. You totally blow me away. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited to introduce you to everyone. Oh my gosh. First, I am such a fan. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm blushing right now and overwhelmed um, with just excitement and admiration right now. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. And when I read all that you've done in such a short time in your life. I feel like, yes, we're going to talk about maximizing flavor healthfully. That's your one real good thing. But literally just talking about your career path and and seeing how far you've come and what you've achieved is inspiration on its own. So I'd love to really start off if you could just give us like the highlights version of of how you got to where you are today as a restaurateur, as a podcast host, as a uh, a media dynamo, really. Well, you know, I I don't even know, and I I get asked this question um, often, and I guess I'm I'm very fortunate uh, for that. But I always say it's by the grace of God. Uh, I originally wanted to go into journalism because I always I have always felt that no matter what you do, whatever you know, talent that you have or whatever vocation you choose. Um, it all comes down to st storytelling. It's, it's what makes it connect. I mean, food ultimately is storytelling. Um, and so one crazy day I was in, uh, I was set to be in my TV production class, which in high school, um, which I used to do the morning news in my middle school and my high school and whatnot. And they put me in a cooking class by mistake. And I call that the lightning strike because even though I was super upset that I wasn't in my TV production class and all that with my friends, um, Johnson and Wales university came in one day while I was waiting to get my, my class changed and they did a demo. And I always say that is as if they were only speaking to me. There was, it was a classroom with like 36 kids in it. But it was as if they were only speaking to me. And that moment, 16 years old, I said, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life is cook. Um, ah, I was on uh, I was on a path to um, to being a literature major, an English major, journalism major. I had already secured a couple of scholarships and now I had to secure private private university funding um, for cooking school. And that took me to compete to do culinary competitions. Culinary competitions opened this whole new world for me. And storytelling just was then, like it, it exploded, it was magnified because all of a sudden I was cooking, you know, at the World Series in 2003, I was cooking at the United Nations. I was 
it, it was insane. I was at a Carrie Underwood concert and this was all a college student. I was, I wasn't even 20 years old. <laughs> so I saw this beautiful world in front of me and I'm like, I can't believe this. And all I'm doing is cooking. I'm providing flavor. And one day, one of the, uh, my, my competition coaches, he was a German certified master chef said, you should write a cookbook. Um, and you're winning all these competitions, but you're not doing anything strange. You're just winning based on one thing. And that was flavor, the flavor of food. And at that time, molecular gastronomy was at the forefront and everybody who was competing was doing that. They were doing powders and foams and different airs. And here was this girl. And I was always like the only girl at the time competing, just doing something based on flavor. And he goes, you should write a cookbook and call it maximum flavor. And I took his advice and all of a sudden I became the youngest cookbook author. And I didn't know that. I was just following good advice. And at the time, Montel Williams was wrapping up his career and his very last episode on the air was about to be recorded. And I get a phone call because yes, back then people called people's homes with a dial up telephone. <laughs> And I get it from a producer, I get a call and it's like, can I talk to Adrian Calvo? We'd like to fly her up to New York um, for Montel Williams. And, and I thought it was my best friend playing a joke on me. So I hung up on this producer, I kid you not, three times. And they finally said, well, I'm sorry, I guess you don't want to be on Montel Williams. I'm like, no, please no. Um, and Montel Williams held my cookbook in the air and said, everybody's got to buy this book. And at that time, this is, this is 2003 and people still bought cookbooks because they saw them on talk shows, you know? And he goes, I, my whole life, I've hated scallops. I've avoided scallops, but this girl has made me at this age like scallops because of the flavor. Well, my cookbook sold so well, it gave me enough money to, to open my very first restaurant. And at 22 years old, I opened Chef Adrian's Vineyard Restaurant and Bar. And I said, well... Uh, I didn't have this money to begin with because I was not planning on, you know, I was not planning at all to, to go this far or even take this route. So let's go with it. Let's put all our eggs in one basket. And if, and if it goes well, oh, well, and if not, we'll start all over and I'll just be a chef at a hotel or something. And, and that's it. Well, 17 years later, here we are. <laughs> You're amazing. And, and, and so you've really harnessed this whole maximum flavor lifestyle really i mean this is this is your signature style and in your youtube yeah. show i was watching you said um you like to help people activate all parts of the palate so i love this idea and i think i also know um well i think that a lot of people think that maximum flavor means maximum bacon maximum butter maximum salt and then and then when they and then when they think about flavor they don't when they think about healthful food food that's really you know in any of these foods i mean i use real bacon i use real butter i use salt so i'm not talking about not using that but when they're talking about a more healthfully balanced plate they think oh it's going to be boring or bland and i think there's no one better on the planet to bust this open then you and maybe you and I together right here, let's bust this open because it's oh not true, God. right? That is absolutely not true. I'm an advocate for using whole ingredients like you just mentioned. If you got to use bacon, absolutely use bacon, use butter and all that. That's the way to go, whole foods. But 
in no way does maximum flavor mean I'm going to overload you with sodium, salt, synthetic ingredients, or a lot of fat, a lot of cholesterol, a lot, none of that. And I find that the, um, I love using things that for some reason, coincidentally, they happen to be loaded with antioxidants and different, different, um, nutritional properties. Uh, you know, I have, to kind of take this on a darker side, I lost my younger sister to cancer. And in the last attempt to save her life, we went to this place. It's a holistic place in Tijuana, Mexico, and they fight cancer through nutrition. And every day, whoever goes there with the patient, and I was there for about four weeks, they teach you about nutrition, but they don't cut back on flavor. And a lot of that, that, that was very formative for me in my career. And I, I learned a, a lot about the use of fresh fruits and chilies. Um, I cook a lot presently with different chilies because you're adding flavor and you're sending th these endorphins to your brain because there's a ton of flavor going on. But guess what? You're, you're also loading up your body with so much antioxidants. We do... Um, Part of maximum flavor is the contrast of, of of different flavor profiles. So we'll do fruit relishes, but I'll use pineapple because pineapple is so loaded with bromelain and anti-inflammatory properties, and it's a natural diuretic. Um, so if you're eating salty this week for some reason, well, guess what? Pineapple can really get you know can help filter out so many of these toxins. But you know you you'll see me put a dish out with maybe you know some type of sashimi and it has a roasted poblano and pineapple relish but i'm really loading you up with bromelain and antioxidants mm -hmm. and i'm not throwing mm -hmm. in tons of salt right That's so i yeah i think actually it's interesting because if you pretty much take any fruit or any vegetable and i try and while i think some of these elements that you're talking about these enzymes and nutrients it's almost, I like to take a little wider angle view because every fruit, every vegetable, every plant essentially has unique healing properties of its own. Absolutely. So literally, even we don't even have to know the names of any of these things. If we think about getting more <laughs> fruits and vegetables um, and spices, and because that these are plant foods also. So then you're going to get these um, anti-inflammatory properties. You're going to get nutrients. And for me, it's this, I call it the sweet spot where nutrition and where delicious and nutritious meet kind of thing. It's that sweet Absolutely. spot. And, I love and so that. <laughs> it's interesting that you say, I love this idea. So first of all, I want to tap into this one thing about chilies, because a lot of people think chili equals spicy. And I love heat, you know, I like the heat of chili, yeah. but there are so many chilies that really have very mild spice, but bring incredible depth of flavor. So I feel like I encourage people to, to explore more the world of chilies because it's not only heat, it's bringing layers of flavor and sometimes smoky flavor and all of these other layers and also nutrition. So- Oh my gosh, you're so right about chilies. And um, we do um, this this experience over at Chef Adrian's, um, a chef's table, but we don't just throw out a menu. Every month, it's a different theme. Um, and we just finished uh, two days worth of a Galentine's theme. And we celebrated women in history. And uh, we're, we're talking about Frida Kahlo last night. And we did this this dish that had three different chilies in it. And before our, my guests were, were experiencing the dish, their, their eyes opened up like, oh my gosh, this chef 
made us the spiciest thing in the world. And you could, you could see the fear in their eyes. And when I explained, I'm like, wait, wait, calm down. This is, these are three, what I like to call introductory chilies. Um, because there's so many that are not at all super spicy. They're just, they're very mild. For example, a poblano pepper. I call that a, you know, an introduct an introductory, introductory pepper, because it's not like, this blazing heat of a habanero or ghost pepper or a Thai chili or anything like that. Um, and I just love that at the end of that dish, and it was course number four, they learned something about themselves pretty much. It's not only about being open-minded, but I guarantee you they came out going, okay, I think I'm going, I, I think I'm going to explore more chilies now and guajillo peppers. Now, now you're talking about something smoky. Um, and if you wanted to go into medium and you can go into like chipotles, for example, and things like that, it's just, it's a vast world of chilies. Yeah. And I think it's under, underexplored and underutilized. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that for a whole episode probably. Yeah. And, and they're so healthful. So here you have a perfect example of healthy flavor, maximizing flavor healthfully, adding chilies, yeah. different types of chilies. And I love your notion of contrast because I do think that when we have different notes in food, and I and I do think about it musically, like in music, you don't want to just hear the bass drum, right? You want to hear right. soothing guitar strumming on top of the bass, and then you want to hear some vocals, and then you want some high notes from percussion. You want all of that. And I feel like that helps maximize flavor too. So- when you talk about mixing your chilies with your fruit, it kind of magic starts to happen right there, right? Yes. I mean, I love, I, I love learning from everywhere. Um, and I think about, I don't know if we're allowed to mention like this conglomerate of a potato chip um, company, America's potato chip company. And they do this annual potato chip flavor, uh, you know, contest. And usually the ones that win throughout the years are some that are sweet and spicy or have some sweet and spicy connotation. Last year in 23, an article came out about America's most addictive, um, you cannot say no, it's flavor profile is sweet and spicy because it's the most contradictory flavor profile if you put them together. Obviously, there's, you know, sweet and salty, but sweet and spicy is the most irresistible flavor profile as of 2023. Oh, how interesting. And because you're probably going to have some salt in there too, right? So then you are exactly. starting to really, as you say, yeah. activate all parts of the well, palate. You're getting it all in yes. there. You're getting it all in there. And what happens is that that sends these, these signals to your brain um, in forms of endorphins. And then that creates this memory, a lasting memory. And that's what makes you after, you know, Think about that dish, think about that food or that ingredient long after the actual dining experience has already passed. You're still thinking about it. But if you ever think, you're never really thinking of like, wow, I had that really wonderful apple. You may have had a memory of having in a place a wonderful apple picked in an orchard and, and it was a wonderful experience, but you're not really thinking of that flavor profile of that specific apple because that's it's a monotone flavor profile. But you might think of this beautiful dish that you might have had that was sweet and spicy and salty and all the things, you know, and that's because of all the different signals that that are being sent from your palate to your brain. One thing, actually, when I think about an apple and making it memorable, when I was in Greece, 
after the meal at the simple restaurant, family-run restaurant, they put out either apples or pears sliced with a little cinnamon on it. And literally Ooh. just that one addition of that delicious, fragrant, warm spice made yes. this apple into dessert. I mean, it stuck with oh. me so much. It was so delicious. Just like that. I do that all the time now at just, home. So just cinnamon? Yeah, just a sprinkle of cinnamon. It was so delicious. And it was a really so fresh, beautiful thing. fruit. <laughs> one good thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's talk about more elements that you rely on for maximum flavor healthfully. What else do you rely on for that? Oh, I use honey um, in a lot of of my recipes. I avoid any white sugars. Um, and then I could go down the rabbit hole about honey, but I love to use like Manuka honey. I use raw, unfiltered honey um, for the health benefits. So uh, if we have to sweeten up uh, a relish, a salsa, anything like that, I will use raw, unfiltered honey. And we are on the expensive side. And I say to my customers, um, Absolutely. We are on the expensive side because have you tried to buy raw honey, raw unfiltered <laughs> honey at your grocery right. store? Do you know um, our greens? We serve organic greens because anything that comes from the earth, like right from like the roots of whatever ingredient that you're having, it's important how it's harvested, how it's grown, the pesticides, the antibiotics, everything like that. But um, right. So you're starting with really good ingredients. I have to say, I just want to make sure people understand, honey is still an added sugar. So yes, yeah. yeah, so you want to be modest with honey, with any added sweetener, but um, yeah. it's unrefined. So it has more and more health giving properties. And also it is a slower absorption by your system. So it's, it's modest, it's moderately better than, you know, refined sugar, but still you want to take it generally easy on any type of added sweetener. And I love the idea of using whole fruit for sweetener as much as possible. I, I really wanted to ask you about one thing, because I think for me, a big maximized flavor healthfully is garlic. Uh, well, oh, all, all the aromatics, garlic, ginger, onions, leeks, but garlic in particular, lately I have been making garlic confit and Ooh. it kind of blows my mind. So garlic confit, you just sort of simmer garlic, very low heat in, in olive oil, and then take it out when it's just golden and soft. And then you store it in, in the freezer. I usually store it in the freezer, separate it from the oil, store it in the freezer. And you put it in dressing. You can smear it on bread. You can put it in sauces, in stews, whatever. And it just, it's so much flavor. It's kind of mind-blowing. I think that garlic confit is something that everyone can do and should do. And we do what we have a dish at the restaurant with garlic confit that uh, we add shaved Fresno chilies to. And Ooh. we, that process, coming back to the chilies. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's a, exactly the process that you're talking about. We just add the shaved chilies. And then at the, at the very last 20 minutes of the cooking process, we'll throw in there fresh rosemary and um, lemon zest. And when I tell you that that garlic confit is out of this world, I mean, it's ridiculous. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you just totally up the game here. Fresno chilies, lemon zest, and rosemary. I'm so in on that. And I get where you're going with all of these different elements. And it really does ring to me like beautiful music. That sounds amazing. I'm totally doing that. Thank um, you. What else do you do with garlic? Oh, well, I guess <laughs> I'm leading you into this question. But one of the things I love to do is do toasted garlic, like slice it thin and then heat it on a very low heat for quite a long time until the garlic like crisps up and Oof. then add vegetables and so on. And it's just amazing to me how you can take this one season, this one aromatic garlic and how it can act so many different ways. I feel like I love playing with that. That's like, that's just one of the, I think more, most irresistible versions of garlic. We do this dish, um, which is gambas al ajillo, which is a Spanish, a traditional Spanish tapa. And one of my favorite things in the world is to merge the world of travel and food. Um, that's part of what my 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 YouTube show is and, and whatnot. That's what searching for maximum flavor is. So when I am able to take my guests to somewhere through a dish, take them somewhere, especially like Europe, you know, I think it's beautiful. And one of the things that we do with the gamba salajillo, instead of doing just fresh garlic, which is what the actual dish calls for, we'll do fresh garlic, but then we throw in there like 20 pieces of garlic chips that have been slowly crisped up in the olive oil. And then that adds this crunch factor. And now you have two versions of garlic in that dish. And it's just mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's chilies in there too. Well, there's smoked paprika. So I guess I count paprika, you know, that comes from a pepper. So that's well, <laughs> we throw, we throw chili de adbol in there because some of the versions of that recipe call for chili de adbol, which is a smoked chili, uh, dried chili. Yep. Oh, very cool. Oh, I'll have to try that sometime the way you make it. Um, now, what about pestos? Like I love fresh herbs. I feel like I always have like three kinds of fresh herbs at home. And I'm always making different pestos and things like that. How do you feel about, about using, you know, those types of flavors? Love that. We, um, <laughs> we serve complimentary homemade pesto at Chef Adrian since day one. Um, and we will take, this is besides the fresh herbs and now the fresh garlic and fresh lemon juice. So think about all the, the healthy, uh, you know, healthy ingredients that go into here. I love to play with the use of different nuts. So if you all of a sudden throw in there raw almonds, can you imagine that, that nutritional punch that you're getting, um, you know, your raw almond pesto? Now, the flavor profile stays the same, but you're just now consciously adding something with a bigger punch than pine nuts, you know? Yeah. And you can use like different herbs. I love to make even, you know... Well, then it's called like chimichurri when you put, you make essentially a pesto like, like a uh, combination with cilantro and, and basil and, or is it mostly cilantro and parsley? What, tell us about it's a chimichurri. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cilantro, cilantro and parsley. Um, some versions, if you really want to be authentically like Argentinian, um, it's parsley with a, a touch of fresh oregano. Uh, Cilantro, Argentinians typically don't use cilantro because it's more of a, a Mexican herb, but there are different variations. And that's, you know, you, you got to love that that's what the kitchen is generally. I mean, you can have that blueprint, but then 
add your own spice, add your own flavors. And you would sometimes, sometimes it's a flop, but sometimes you're like, Hey, this was awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah. And chimichurri, especially down here in Miami. Um, that's the one thing you put chimichurri on a menu and people just flock to it. I mean, it's just so delicious. It gives you that maximum flavor healthfully, which is exactly what we're yeah. talking about. Now I'm craving chimichurri. Not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it actually on grilled shrimp. So good. Yeah. It goes on any protein, really. So I do these um, bacon wrapped jumbo prawns. So, <laughs> and then I, I, I do a honey mustard, slight little honey mustard, but then I, I drizzle chimichurri on it. So now you have that rustic, that robust irresistible flavor of bacon. It's a traditional American appetizer, right? Um, honey mustard, again, sweet, zesty, spicy. And then that herbaceousness from the chimichurri, it's a knockout. <laughs> I love this idea. And I love how you're just layering. You know, you're layer. really, you're saying, okay, we have this simple flavor boost. Now we're going to layer yeah. it and make it more enticing. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous. So, and also another healthy sort of maximize flavor healthfully zone that I like to go is like acid. So citrus and vinegars. And I think a lot of times when people think, oh, something's missing here, you know, they'll throw in more salt, but actually yeah. often, very often I find a splash of citrus juice, lemon juice, lime juice, a splash of vinegar is actually what it needs. And it might need salt, but really I think sometimes it's that acid that's going to take it up over to where you Absolutely. want it to be. Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, acid is actually, um, I don't know if this is an adult <laughs> podcast or not, but I won't describe what, what I'm about to say is to just leave that very vague. But I think acid is the fluffer of all ingredients. Um, and I say it's the fluffer <laughs> because it makes everything else really work at its best capacity. Um, I whether it's I love that. <laughs> bring in, now you bring in some spice to the podcast, Adrian. <laughs> Every all you need is is a little acid to bring everything forward, whether it's fat or spice or sweetness, that's the contrast that brings everything to the forefront. Um, and and I love getting that acid, um, which as we know, like acid alkalines your system. So if you incorporate acid in every dish, um, whether it's apple cider vinegar, organic red wine vinegar, or fresh lemon juice, you know, you're helping your digest your digestive process as well. Yeah, I mean, acid, it also helps you, um, helps your body cope with any carbs in a dish. So a little bit of acid in a dish also helps temper your rise in blood sugar, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And then it's, of yeah. course, bringing a ton of flavor. Um, so finishing with a splash of acid, if something tastes flat to you, thinking, hmm, I'm going to fluff that up. <laughs> I will never not think that from now on. I'm going to fluff that up with a little splash of vinegar. And I love to have different types of vinegar. So one of my favorites for dressings, is um is sherry vinegar because it has that yeah. like depth of flavor. I love that with a mustard and a dressing and shallots. Um, Yum. Yeah, and then I've, I I think I have like seventeen vinegar. <laughs> okay, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I probably have about eight vinegars in my just regular home cupboard. Oh yeah, I mean when I first started coming to New York for different shows and whatnot early on in my career, I would love to go to Grand Central Market. 
and the the amount of stores and foodie things that were around back in like again when i started in 2003 um i would always come back with a suitcase full of vinegars <laughs> because in miami at the time you couldn't get all these beautiful well infused vinegars and whatnot here you'd get like your three different vinegars that were available generically everywhere um now now it's more available in different stores like sir latab and things like william sonoma have come down here but back then that didn't exist so every time i was up in new york it was like all right adri's coming back with vinegars <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. i have been exploring at h mart because one opened up in my neighborhood not too long ago and i've been loving uh, Chinese black vinegar. Um, and it's Ooh. often used to like dip dumplings and stuff. And it, yes. it almost yeah. has that like syrupy, that aged syrupy, slight sweetness of um, balsamic, but it's balsamic. definitely not balsamic, but it has yeah. that kind of essence. And I've been loving that. That's, that's a new find for me. Ah, yum. Now you have me craving dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I never don't crave dumplings, to be honest. Dumplings and meatballs, those two, I, I'm always craving. Um, yeah. So any other thoughts about, you know, maximizing flavor healthfully connected to travel? I do think so much inspiration does come from traveling. And so even if people keep their eyes open to, to when they're, wherever they're traveling, you know, keep their eyes open to how flavors being amped up. Um, in different places that they go. I think you well, wind up coming home with great ideas. I just loved, I mean, I know you're you're out in, in you know, New England and, and whatnot, but I just have two small examples of where healthy flavor can be found. And you can take this back home with you and apply this. Um, one was when I was shooting my show out in Maine and we went to visit an oyster farm. And I'm thinking, all right, well, everybody knows about oysters and they've been on menus, um, Hooters has made it famous and, you know, the chains, like, you know, um, and I was thinking, are people really going to find this interesting? And while I'm trying to teach my viewers about what oysters are, I end, I was the one that ended up learning so much about how they're just such a beautiful protein that asks nothing of the world. They're a bivalve that works as a filter. They don't take away anything. They're a good source of iron and clean source of protein. And in New England, you guys have the best because they come from pristine waters. And then yep. what a way now, because of today's wonderful 24 hour shipping, you can have oysters anywhere in the United States within 24 hours of harvesting. And what a way to just have clean protein with a ton of acid, which is again, great for digestion, big flavor. Think about a mignonette. Think about that fresh bright lemon juice, you know, you can make it spicy if you want, or if you don't want, or just having them straight out of the water. That was yep. such a beautiful moment for me. Um, and now that's what I serve at my restaurant here in Miami. And people are the first few months were like, what you're just, you're serving new England um, mussels. What? I mean, I mean, oysters, I'm sorry, not mussels. That's another rabbit hole, you know, different oh. mollusks, but, um, yeah. And now people are loving it. And I have people that just come in the door to have two trays of our New England oysters. Uh, and I think it's such a beautiful thing that started from my trip to Maine. And the I other one. That. Oh, I just want to touch on this for a second. Let's oh, yeah, just sorry. stick to oysters for a second, because New York City used to be called, I believe, called the not the Big Apple, but the Big Oyster, <laughs> because... Uh -huh. 
we oysters were a huge industry here and you'd get huge ones apparently and they were finding these wow. old shells from way back when um but the oyster industry got destroyed when the water got polluted and now it's coming back and what's fascinating about it and now we have oyster beds being um planted i guess you call it or seeded or yeah. harvest, um uh, in New York harbors, again, at starting, um, and in Long Island, as well as, of course, New England. But um, but they clean the water. So all these yes. clams, mussels, oysters, they actually filter the water, clean, the, keep the water healthy. They keep us healthy. It's lean protein. So I'm totally on board. I just love when something is sustainable for the earth and also helps sustain us and also has great flavor. So that's a total win. Um, yep. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Okay. So I just had to add that those two cents in there, but so tell me about your other travel flavor secrets. So that we're in a, we're the, it's the last episode of season one and we are taken to Oaxaca, Mexico, which I've is dying to go there. You have to go. You have to go. <laughs> um, and I, to be honest, I was also, this was one of those where I was like, really Oaxaca? I never thought of Oaxaca as a, you know, foodie destination or, or any, like really as a travel destination must like a must go. I never thought of it in that capacity. And, um, when I tell you that this was just incredible, just so inspiring, we were taken to the middle of where there's no cell reception and you have these humble women that are cooking over an open fire and you're sitting on this handmade wooden table just surrounded by the plants and again if it would have rained it would have been ruined we were just we were at the mercy of Na mother nature and these women that spoke no english whatsoever they just started to take these fresh ingredients and a lot of these chilies um and roasting them over the fire and vegetables different squashes onions um yeah we had broccoli cauliflower corn um all of these things were out in an open fire tomatoes things like that and i was blown away at the simplicity of it but the depth of flavor and so while i don't recommend everybody hey go start a fire in your house and and you know and roast off vegetables but i do think that it's a it's a process in its own simplicity that is also overlooked but adds so much flavor um whether you want to use your grill in your backyard or you want to put your oven on you know high heat and roast vegetables that imparts just so much more depth of flavor than you know cooking them in a saute pan or boiling them or steaming them i love this tip I completely agree. And actually, when I make my baba ganoush, eggplant dip, mm -hmm. I take the eggplant and I live in New York City, so I don't have a grill. I wish I did. I'd do it on the grill if I had one. But I live in New York City. I take the eggplant, I put it directly on my gas burner, and I just burn, I just burn the whole outside till it's charred and Ooh. And like, you know, it definitely oozes all over my stove and I have to clean it after. But it's so worth it. Because the flavor that happens when that whole outside is charred and little bits of that char gets in when I'm scraping out the center, uh, little bits of it get in there to just like flavor the whole dip. There's no comparison. You can't even yep. hold a candle to it. Yep. I, you know, I just think that those little extra steps really are the difference between 
a great dish, a memorable dish, and like a good dish, you know, because I'm sure your baba ganoush would be good if you didn't do that. But that's what makes it great. I love this. Such good advice. Is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap up? And I just have no. to say that I cannot wait to your next time I'm in Miami, I'm making a beeline to your restaurant. So <laughs> for some oysters and some chimichurri, and I already have my list. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we'd love to have you. And I have to say thank you for doing what you're doing because Again, storytelling and sharing your love for food in this wonderful, beautiful way. You keep our industry alive. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I hope to, to meet you in person soon. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to maximize flavor with the most healthful ingredients. Join me next time for another one real good thing. <laughs>